0: Today on Team Anywhere, we interview Steve Hart, an executive coach with a professional development group, and Wayne Tarkin, who founded the Agile HR Consortium. Both Steve and Wayne are facilitators at the Fox School of Business at Temple University, where they teach Agile leadership. They share how to bring Agile to remote leadership through breaking down large projects, creating trust, and practicing open communication and inclusivity
1: welcome to a new episode of team anywhere and i'm Ginny bianco mathis on the east coast with my colleague mick simon on the west coast and today we are very happy to have two exceptional practitioners uh, and professionals in the field talk about the kinds of things they are doing that are going to weave uh, methodology with um, accountability and agile uh, workplace, which I think is fascinating. Um, We have Wayne Tarkin and Steve Hart. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, this is um, wonderful. And uh, so let's start just telling us a little bit about how you all started working together and doing what you're doing.
2: Uh, well, I guess Steve and I have known each other for many years in the HR space, uh, me being consultant, he being internal. And, you know, I came up with this cockamamie idea about, can we use Agile and human resources to really transform the organization? And um, I've been in HR for 20 years, inside, outside, and we just, uh, we talked about it and he invited me to come to his class and we we delivered a session The kids, the students liked it, and we decided, let's see if we can create you know create a model out of this to really evangelize the concept to, to move it forward
3: yeah it really started when um, I, I was looking for a, a guest speaker for my class at Penn and uh, uh, the the guy that I was actually scheduled to be with that day got stranded in Australia <laughs> so I, I asked Wayne if he would mind coming in at the very last minute yeah to uh, share with the, the class this this notion he had of agile and the the way in which he came up with it. So it was a really great thing. And, I, and it, just watching it uh, sort of be it f- facilitated that night with my students read, led me to some, uh, felt very powerful about it. You know, it had a lot, mm-hmm. of, had a lot of energy to it. A lot of uh, creativity was coming out of the students. So we talked about the possibility of turning that into a course that we teach together mm-hmm. at Penn. And so we did that starting last January and put our leadership uh, agile leadership course together for Penn and we ran it for the first time last January for 14 weeks.
1: Well, wow, fabulous. And then I also see um, that you are using it and perpetuating it and it is being used successfully with a lot of different organizations. And and can you give us, you know, maybe cover a couple of those structures that you talk about and and give us an uh, a specific example, make it real.
2: Yeah. I think, um, uh, uh, let's talk about meetings. You know, those things that people do every week for two hours that mm-hmm. people get bored to death and, um, people start looking at their phones and texting. And, uh, I don't know, sometimes I wonder which is, which is worse, root canal or having meetings. <laughs> yeah, and, I uh, at least with root canal, once you get the novocaine, the pain's gone, but I'm not <laughs> sure with meetings. Um, The only thing changes in meetings are usually the due dates on the deliverables that haven't been achieved yet. And Mm -hmm. so Agile has a few mechanisms, but basically it says we want to break down large projects, activities into smaller components. And so it looks at meetings and says, instead of that daily an hour meeting or weekly three hour planning meeting, let's come up with shorter 15 minute sessions every day Mm -hmm. where we ask three questions what did you do yesterday? What are you gonna to do today? What got in the way? And so what that does, it, it helps companies, it helps leaders identify problems more quickly. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had a meeting where once a week you had assignments on a Monday, people went out and did their work, you come back the next Monday and you want people tell you they didn't really get anything done, they had a problem or things like that. So by having the daily short meetings, you identify those problems right away and then you can solve them. So if, if, if we, we call it uh, liberating structures
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um, you know, it's one of those things that you can do that really can transform your organization and it's really simple to do. And we bolted on, the, the other thing we found is that if we can bolt on, if we can in, incorporate a lot of these agile principles into what people do on a daily basis in terms of their lives and, and the way they do work, it has a bigger ch- better chance of being sustained. And that's, that's one of the things that uh, we've seen happen.
1: Right. I, in fact, I've seen um, in some of your uh, other videos, t- you talking about one of the problems with managing a project and getting things done is we just see this huge boulder in front of us, right? Oh. And and how do we attack it? And you just mentioned, well, you can't, you've got to cut it up. And that uh, 15 minute uh, kind of meeting certainly resonates. Yep. Um, you also have in, in the model. You talk about the overlay of seven practices, mm-hmm. and that I think really uh, has a lot of meaning um, for us today. And uh, could you share um, uh, what some of those leadership practices are that you are yeah, I'll, I'll trying to emphasize?
3: Sure. The, the, the first one is really critical in my mind, and about, that's about creating a safe space for people to work together. And you've got to have what's, what's really essential about actively engaging with Agile is there needs to be trust and open communication and mm-hmm. inclusivity. So in order for those things to flourish, you need to have a leader who sets a tone at the top that it's okay to have uh, challenging conversations. It's okay to speak your mind. It's okay to speak about what you see and share what you know. Um, But not all organizations are calibrated that way. We found Mm -hmm. it has a a sort of a cultural element to it. So that's almost one of the very first things that we uh, look at when we we work with an organization. What is the culture of your organization for allowing this kind of experimentation, this kind of open source communication going on so that people can explore all of the avenues of possibility in order to come up with a project that they can buy into?
1: And if that's not there... What do you recommend
3: well I think it's a, it's, a, it's a first principle of having to work on it to make that happen right so it's almost we put things on hold until we got a bit of we get a better handle on that kind of capability and we help coaching with leaders in particular of how they can they need to sort of uh, let go to let come a new possibility if they want to work in this agile like way they have to get themselves out of the way because uh, command and control systems will not make agile work very well
1: Right, right. Uh, you have read the same things and have witnessed the same things we have about. All right, leader, you need to be uh, more empathetic. You need to be a little more vulnerable, and yet still get um, productivity. So, what have you seen work, and/or what are you recommending in in terms of that trust? that needs to be built with your team.
3: Yeah, yeah it's, it's really a, a, a conundrum, Gus. You know, a, a leader in a face-to-face-like environment might be functioning fairly well and maybe does uh, because of proximity to people in the organization. They're sort of managing effectively to some degree. But when a crisis like this occurs and suddenly you're isolated uh, and the people that, you, that work for you have a tendency to think the leader should have all the answers... Mm. And the leader shows up on the screen and immediately gets down to business and ticks everybody else off because I want some consideration for my situation. And yes. I'm now doing things very differently. So you're right that empathy is kind of the biggest uh, piece of this, I think, that has to be really worked on, that uh, any leader who starts a meeting immediately with their people online and they haven't seen in a few days with let's get down to business is is doing a big miss service to their customers, to their clients, to their to their uh, employees right so let's spend a little bit of time up front just processing how are people feeling right now yes with the way things are going how are you coping how are things at home are you able to balance the capabilities responsibilities you have are you have you got the tools that you need those yeah. are the things to start a meeting with and then get down to the business and we've totally. been spending spending some time trying to coach some leaders who are apt to be more uh, down to business control, get, get production going right away, trying to just say, stop, take a breath, just spend some time, first of all, creating a nice conducive environment where the people that you're working with are feeling like you respect their situation and that you're open to their challenges that they face and you're willing to help them. So that's that's the first thing.
1: That's right. And and you might be finding that you are paying a little more attention to that because of what your leaders are are dealing yeah. with so i'm just thinking all right let's split it up we're going to do the 15 minutes we're going to ask the three questions whoops wait a minute yes <laughs> hey yeah. you're gonna yeah. need three minutes to yeah, yeah. do the yeah. company cheer
3: that's right <laughs> well we've we've had some amazing things that people have done yeah. uh, there's been uh, one organization that we worked with uh fantastic thing and this i don't know how they pull this off but they were able to, they had a very fairly large meeting with a number of people from the same organization, and they made it so that pizzas arrived at everybody's house, yes, right before this meeting. And they had a pizza party together Absolutely. online, and then they had the meeting after the pizza party was done. So, <laughs> there, there's some amazing creative things. I think one of the things that has to happen is, uh, you know, we, we've all talked about engagement, engagement's a well known. Whether you're in the face-to-face or not, engagement is really important. But what really goes up in an environment like this is a sense of belonging, really yes. feeling that you can create a, a, uh, a place where people are honored for their contribution, can speak freely about their situation, and the leader demonstrates he or she cares.
1: Oh, I love that because, as you said, they, belonging and, yes, you are adding value. And there's the other side of the agile process, you clarifying the roles, who is doing what when, so the leader can really um, leverage that, the two pieces, the interpersonal and the technical aspect of a, a nice flow right well then that takes us to to the end a a bit about so how are you two doing uh you've been through a journey as you said you've had to navigate the classroom and dealing with the business side um rethink you know where are you
2: well um there's pros and cons with everything i think we had a session earlier this week we had a three-hour session and normally we'd be face to face and it was tough it was tough for us. It was tough for the participants um, to engage uh, virtually versus face-to-face. But you know, I think we were able to succeed. Um, there's always a challenge now. People burnt out. They've been on Zoom a whole lot, so mm-hmm. we try to, you know, make it make it real, make it a, make it for something that they can, you know, that's viscerally connected to them and their passion around. Um, on the other hand, it opened up the whole world. We're talking to people in Japan, and we're talking to people in Australia um and uh you know normally we wouldn't have done that uh, given the travel time and things like that so it, it makes the world a smaller place and so for us it's it's helpful um but i can't wait to get back to see those students in the classroom um, <laughs> yeah. as, as much as uh, you know it can be painted in the times but it's it's uh, we just you know with that that face-to-face interaction that feeling and, and most most communications kinesthetic, how people feel and respond, an emotional connection we really miss, and hopefully we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: For, for mm-hmm. me, it's what? been a fairly easy transition. I, I, uh, I retired from uh, uh, a full-time career in October of last year, and came a independent consultant. So I'm working kind of independently now. So working from home is not uh, such a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, It took me seven weeks to see my granddaughter because she was born right at the beginning of COVID. And there was seven weeks before I got to see her. So that's been a bit of a suffering for me. But in terms of uh, the level of work, uh, the the opportunity to engage with people, to continue to teach and to to develop with clients, um, this has not been too bad of a situation. Mm -hmm. I wish it were different. I thrive on the personal connection, building personal relationships, and I think that is best done face-to-face face. i've had to wayne had a lot of connections already before we began this journey so i've i've written his coattails to some extent of uh, sort of writing on the relationships he's already had and developing my own version of them but um that's the only downside from my perspective but i i'm i'm glad in many ways i'm not in full-time leadership uh, responsibilities right now for an organization because uh, I think it would be, um, I, I, I tip my cap to all of those leaders who are uh, making their organizations work and trying to do the best they can under these circumstances. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's an awful situation. It's been so long and there's seemingly no end in sight at this point. So uh, wow. more power to them. And I hope that they can learn and grow and continue to keep their relationships going well. And
1: that's what they're saying. They're just learning and growing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, and folks that do the kinds of things we do, I've heard, um, is, so example, a particular workshop that they have, that if we're moving into hybrid, where there might always be a certain percentage of an organization that is somewhere else, that we will still get together maybe four times a year, maybe six times a year. Mm -hmm. So we may then have to insert consulting facilitation training well um you know you all are meeting anyway these four days um and the rest of what we do is going to be online and so you're just coming up with these very different models um because yes folks are saying yes maybe not the um even if we all go like Google is thinking of all remote, we'll still be getting together yeah. physically in different ways, right? Pods that we have all over the world, something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, because-
3: a vaccine will certainly help, you know, when, when people can feel a little more confident
1: mm-hmm. about getting
3: it. That'll no. certainly be very helpful, and it will it'll raise people's uh, confidence that, that they can get back to some kind of social interaction, which is so critically important for mental well-being as well as yes. physical well-being, right? So we're, if we're interested in the well-being of our employees and and yet this is still sustained, I think conceptualizing some kind of hybrid event or hybrid way of working is probably the best thing to do until we're right. sure we can get back to some form of normality.
1: Totally. Totally, as as someone else put it that we were talking to. You need to get together to build up the social capital yeah. to then go back and, and yeah. work within your individual. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, the most important thing you want in any organization is trust in leadership. And and mm-hmm. my my sense of that is that this is it's much harder to create that when you're remotely and isolated from people. You have right? to be it,
1: mindful
3: yeah.
1: of actually. Spending right. the time, I am establishing right. that piece of my leadership, and it's hard I to
2: think, do anything without it. Yep, we were yep. talking with a company about two hundred thousand employees the other day, and what struck people is how honest the leaders were about, you know, because normally when you think about a CEO, they're supposed to have all the answers, right? Right, and they didn't, and so <laughs> that that honesty, that that transparency, is in some ways. Very refreshing, very totally. motivating to employees, very engaging. And so, you know, as long as we're all in this together, I think people, you know, give, give, are willing to give leaders a chance to kind of figure it out. So it creates a different. It's well kind of put.
0: Remark. Well put. Wayne, I, I got a question for you is um, now that a lot of your students and your clients and, and your leaders um, have had to be more empathetic, have had to um, be more honest. What what's the feedback that you're hearing from the, you know, the employees that you're working with, or the leadership teams that you're working with, who are now experiencing a new leader, quote unquote, a new leader or a new approach because we've had to be more honest.
2: I, I think that the results have been very positive. Um, I was talking to uh, one leader in a, in a recruiting agency, and she was talking about, you know, the first couple of meetings she had with people, all her. And happened to be all, you know, all her employees were crying about uh, things. And, and normally, you know, you're not supposed to cry in baseball. You're not supposed to cry in corporations either, right? So, but it was it was okay. You know, she understood and, and you know, there was a human side to it. Just like, uh, I don't, my cat would jump up into Steve's cat or a dog. I mean, uh, or your kids run in. It's It used to be a no-no, but now it's considered, you know, part of who you are. And so I think, uh, again, not every man, leaders like that. Right. I think, um, you know, that's what I think that's what's going to be a differentiator in business going forward is do we have CEOs that are empathetic and, and can uh, can be more um, supportive and nurturing about people? And I think that's also driven by the millennials and people, you know, younger generation who expect those things from their uh, leaders, even before we had COVID. You know, a couple of years ago, you had CEOs talking about sustainability and environment where you never would have had them I'll talk before. So I think the COVID just really accelerated that process of having leadership who are humble and, and transparent and, and care and, 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 you know, demonstrate they walk the talk um, in terms of how they interact with people.
3: Yeah, another dynamic of that, uh, Mitch, that I think uh, I've observed is the notion about if, if you as a leader express compassion for the people that, you work, that work for you, they in turn will return it to you. And I think Uh that's something that um, uh, we've learned a lot about, uh, uh, you know, that human side of the enterprise, right? If you tap into that and you really make a connection with people and you demonstrate your own compassion for people's situation and circumstances, you're flexible about schedules, you allow them some degree of freedom about when and how they get the work done as long as they meet your objective and you're open to that. And you express, uh, you demonstrate that compassion and you get it shown to you as a leader. And I think that's important, too, because leaders need as much hope and encouragement as anybody else does. Right. And you get that from the people that work with you. you, you and, and that, again, sort of then uh, builds that trust level that's so critically important for any endeavor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Great. And, and final question, we're going into 2021. Um, most likely, we're not going to get a vaccine that is spread around the country so quickly if we've got nine to 12 more months of this um, working from home, working from anywhere, what do you, what, what's your biggest suggestion for leaders to double down on over the next 12 months?
3: That's a great question. I, I, I think, um, again, go to an agile principle, right? Take, shorten your timeline of planning, bring things much closer in. You can't make I'm working with a nonprofit right now that usually does a three-year strategic plan. Uh, we've decided we're, we're abandoning that process, which actually is supposed to happen in December of this year. We're going to a six-month plan. And then, we, then once we reach three months into that six-month plan, we'll take another look. So mm-hmm. I would say that the best thing to do is to shorten your horizon on the cycles of planning that you do strategically so that you're able not to overwhelm Or not manage yourself out of an opportunity because you've made a commitment to a direction that isn't compatible with what shows up two months later. So that's my biggest advice, along with with continue to be empathetic and compassionate, is to shorten your time horizon for action, break it down into smaller parts, and move incrementally until people feel some ground under their feet, and then start to move more purposefully into longer-range planning once you see some distance accruing from your efforts.
0: Great, thanks, from Steve. A, what about you, Wayne?
2: From a more tactical uh, perspective, I think a lot of companies are looking at talent a little differently. They're talking to one company, utility company. They they made a commitment not to lay anybody off, and so some companies did that. And so, how do you do that? And they needed they realized they needed a lot more flexibility in terms of how assigning how they would assign people to specific jobs and work. And more companies are talking about kind of internal market place where they can um put employees who may not have a specific role in kind of a bucket that other people can pull out as needed for different uh opportunities it's kind of like an internal free agent a gig economy mm-hmm. yeah um i think it's early on uh, the software the, the systems are getting better to facilitate that so I, I i can foresee next year you're going to see a lot more of that that um companies are going to be a little more flexible around talent and applying talent um to the opportunities as they arise.
1: That's nice way. Yeah, I, I like that. The real design, job does real job design around realities, not what we think it needs to be.
2: Exactly. How do you tie in robotics and uh, artificial intelligence? I mean, all these are interesting uh, conversations uh, that uh, CEOs and their HR leaders really need to focus on.
0: Excellent right well thank you uh gentlemen um that was an incredibly um uplifting for the future and also really um really gave us all like better insight into what agile is and how you can actually use agile in the hr setting or in pretty much any any setting in the company
2: thank you thanks for well great a pleasure thank you very much
1: thank you're you you're welcome bye-bye
0: bye-bye all right well thank you all and thank you for listening to another episode of team anywhere